Welcome to the Back to the Bricks podcast. A podcast about sports, its impact on culture, and the stories inside and outside the lines. I'm Nick. And I'm Justin. And we're two friends who tell it as it is. Jump in. We're going somewhere. Welcome back to the Bricks. Justin, we are not recording late night after dark, so that's nice. No Bricks after dark today. Uh, we're actually recording in the afternoon, which is nice for a nice little change. Um we're going to get right into talking about the weekend that was COVID college football and whether or not that will be the expectation. I kind of hope it is moving forward, but we'll discuss that. But just some friendly reminders as we get started. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts help us out a lot. Please make sure that you leave a comment so that it shows up on our page when you do that. And go ahead and let us know what you think of the show, what you'd like to hear more of, um, and yeah, what we can do to improve, basically. So leave us some five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. That helps a lot. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't, and don't forget to just tell your friends about it. Share the episodes on your Instagram. It's as good as it gets, Justin. We are in the afternoon. We had a quite the Saturday yesterday in college football. The Big 12, while they already have been playing, they started playing each other a little bit more this weekend, and the SEC was back this weekend, and both of those conferences, quite frankly, looked bad. Yeah. I- Oklahoma one is a dumpster fire, but the Big 12 in general is a dumpster fire. I don't know if they have a team in that conference that's any good. Like, I don't even know if Oklahoma State's good. I don't think they're good. I mean, the, the quarterback play out of that team is indicative that they are not very good. Um, and I don't know if <laughs> Oklahoma's not good. Uh, I mean, even though they lost to K-State last year and they came back from that, I, I there's nothing there. Their defense is still atrocious. I mean, you have a 21-point lead against – Kansas State, and you blow it. You make us look bad. They made us look bad, real bad. Um, we looked then, real bad this weekend. That's right. Ooh, yeah, we looked. We some people are probably going to call us out, but we looked real bad. Uh, but not as bad as OU. I mean, they're they're a hot mess. Um, and I I don't know what we think. I mean, and with the Big Twelve, you have Texas in the in the top ten, but they had to make a incredible comeback against a Texas Tech team that you know was flashing horns down before the game was over which is interesting but I, I don't think the Big 12 is any, yeah I don't think the Big 12 is any good I I completely agree I think all that we've heard the offseason from college football guys is that Texas one is back because of their defensive you know their defensive unit I, I know the Texas is back joke we like to joke around about it but seriously it's about time that Texas is back they've got the offensive weapons I mean, they scored 63 yesterday, but they gave up 56. And they needed OT, and quite frankly, they needed a rally to get back in the ballgame. They were with about five minutes left. It looked real bleak. And, and, you know, Ellinger marched them down the field and got them to OT and got it done. But, I mean, and they had to get a two-point conversion there late in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was no comfortable no comfortable Big 12, you know, kick it game like it was supposed to. But Texas's defense is supposed to be back. Oklahoma's defense is supposed to be improving. They gave up 38 and lost to Kansas State. Spencer Rattler threw three interceptions. He's still going to win the Heisman next year. But Oklahoma's not ready to go. Texas isn't ready to go. Iowa State hasn't looked good. K-State, I mean, I'd be willing to say K-State is probably one of the better teams, and they've already lost in the non-conference. I mean, who are you going to say is good in the Big 12? And I think it's just going to open the door for, for more conversation when it comes to two teams getting in from another conference. Absolutely. I mean, how do you, you how do you take a team from the Big 12 right now? I mean, the Big 12 has to be the biggest fans of Texas and Oklahoma State right now. If one of those two gets knocked off, I don't know how any of those teams get in because they're all just going to, you know, it's going to be like a big just 
piece of paper. They're all just going to be like messed up together and a whole big dumpster fire out there in the West. But speaking of teams just, you know, laying an egg, as as one might say, um, there was a lot of cowbell being, being hit in Mississippi last night. Um, LSU, I will say this. I called it, Nick. I called it. You didn't want to go with me on this one. But LSU just gets absolutely thumped by Mississippi. I mean, if you watch the game, too, it wasn't that close. Mississippi State shot themselves in the foot three times to keep let LSU stay in that game. Mississippi State's quarterback, um, Costello, who I had to look up where he played, and Notre Dame plays Stanford every year, and I couldn't remember who the dude was. So that just tells you where we're at. He threw for 600 yards, 600 yards yesterday against an LSU DBU defense. Um, what are your thoughts on what the heck is going to happen in Baton Rouge this year? I mean, in the words of the CBS broadcaster, I'm forgetting his name, but he said DB knew. I think it's, it's the correct way to say that now. I mean, 630 yards from a transfer quarterback who came from an institution that is a fantastic academic institution. Their football strategy usually is ground and pound. You know, I'm thinking McCaffrey, those kind of guys. What what on earth? I mean, I think everything that I had heard going into the game, and of course, if you don't know what Justin's talking about, he is talking about our Bricks picks only on Instagram TV. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, you're not seeing those weekly and you're not ready to go um, for college football slate. So make sure you're doing that, checking us out there weekly. And I did think LSU would cover. I thought they'd win pretty easily. I thought, one, I thought the new quarterback would look good. You know, I, I thought the defense would be at least average. I mean, out of camp, you know, you have Orgeron saying that this is the best, you know, without even playing, the defense is better than Bo Pelini's defense last year, any week that they played. And then they proceed to give up 630 yards through the air, uh, look out of sorts. I mean, Costello's arm almost fell off. I don't even think that dude's made for the air raid offense. I don't even think he's that talented. And that's what scares me as far as, you know, LSU's concerned. I don't think that's that's like the seventh best quarterback they're going to see this year. And so, I mean – Coach O has been pounding the drum, you know, next guy up, you know, they've, he hasn't really taken COVID seriously in some ways. There was some rumors that they kind of went with the herd mentality and everybody tried to get it. And then they tried to act like they didn't just all kinds of things coming out of camp, but ultimately LSU was supposed to be good. And you were hearing that even up to this week, they were supposed to be just fine. They're going to win seven or eight. They don't look just fine. And it's not just offensively. The defense is is definitely going to be an issue. And Justin, I know you were, you were quick to jump on, Twitter yesterday after the game and say that this was the Joe Burrow effect. And this is what happens when you lose, you know, the Heisman winning national champion overall number one pick who's playing right now for the Cincinnati Bengals as we speak. So I'd like, to, I'd like to let you explore that argument before I dismantle it. Here's what I'll say. Does LSU just miss Joe Burrow? Like would Joe Burrow solve every problem they have? No, absolutely. But is, is he a good perfume? You know, when you put perfume on or you put an extra coat of deodorant on in the afternoons because you stink, right? LSU stunk at places last year. Their defense wasn't that good. I don't care what anybody says. Their defense wasn't that good. There was a lot of holes in it. They gave up a lot of points. Joe had to lead them on a comeback against an, a Texas defense. Um, that Texas defense was suspect. And the Texas offense last year was okay, but the LSU defense just gave up a ton of points to him last year. Here's what I'll say. If you have Joe Burrow yesterday, 
he at least puts some pressure on Mississippi State to go have to have to make plays, and instead of having the opportunity to know they can relax and go make plays because the the quarterback on the other side is no threat. If you have Joe Burrow, they at least know you're going to put some points up. There was no threat yesterday that LSU's quarterback. I don't even remember his name. I'm going to be honest. That's embarrassing, but I don't remember his name because that's how bad he was yesterday. I'm just going to put it out there. He was that bad. He was that lackluster. I only remember his name. If you have Joe Burrow, Mississippi State at least knows I got to go get points. We're going to have to make stops. We're going to have to not just sit here and play soft shell coverage. We're going to have to actually make plays. Without Joe Burrow, that LSU defense is suspect. Um, it's not going to put pressure on other teams to know they have to go score every drive to go win a game against LSU this year. If you have Joe Burrow like they did last year, he is a good deodorant for everything else that stinks on that football team. That's my argument there is why they miss Joe Burrow. Yeah, first of all, Miles Brennan is the quarterback you're talking about, and Gary Danielson was the CBS uh, analyst that I was blanking on there. But, you know, famously, Joe gave Miles Brennan a cigar after the national championship win, told him to save it till he had his own championship. And in the words of Reese Davis yesterday on College Game Day, he better have a really nice, you know, humidor to put it in because it's going to be a long time. And that boy's already been there for three years. So he's only got one more year after this of eligibility. So it's not going to happen. I can break that down for you right now. But I think it's got to be more than Joe. And I agree with everything you said, except 85 guys walked out that door and didn't come back. I know that's an exaggeration, but there were a lot of guys. And offensively, I, I firmly agree with you. Their defense wasn't good enough last year, but they had the best offense in college football history. And the reason that they had the best offense in college football history is they had 11 guys and about 13 or 14 that when they were in the game, they did not substitute. They did not slow down. They go, they go heavy. And then they go out four wide with two big tight ends. They could do whatever they wanted and you couldn't sub and you could, you just couldn't match up and you couldn't stop it. And so that was that mostly Joe Burrow. Sure. Was that all Joe Burrow? Absolutely not. So I think I was definitely buying into LSU just replacing dudes and at least being average as far as LSU standards are. And for me, an LSU standard season's like eight and four in a normal year. So I was expecting six or seven from them. I'm not sure they get to that number playing 10 SEC games, to be quite frank. And I think there might be some pushback from future recruits that may have already verbally committed saying, oh, wait, maybe that was just a flash in the pan with Joe Burrow after all. Yeah, it, it, there's going to be questions. All the questions that people had about Coach O before last year are going to come roaring back. I think Brad Nessler was the one that said the stat yesterday that they've had 20 straight seasons with eight wins. That I don't, they're not going to get there. They had to win yesterday to at least have a shot to get there. I don't think they get there. And Coach O, I think the national championship. If you're a national champion, that gives you a couple of years. But if you don't get this thing back on track, or at least looking like you're gonna, you know, compete for a national title again, you're you're probably giving yourself a year and a half. And that's crazy because you win a national title, you should get more time than that. But one year is an outlier, and when it's an outlier, you know, it, people are going to start saying stuff about you. So, the, the here's what we're going to jump into, and here's uh, the rankings, Nick. We'll just throw it out there. College football rankings, um, we've talked a lot about this. We talked about a lot about the rankings in our preseason shows. Um, one, why are preseason rankings still a thing, Nick? Why why are these things still around? They they don't matter. That was shown yesterday by a lot of teams who people said are really good and really high in the rankings, just getting absolutely just embarrassed in their in, in games against teams they should have beat. Why are these things still a thing? I mean, I think I think it's got to be hype, and I think it's got to be TV ratings. Those are the only things I can come up with. And to be quite 
you know, just to be real truthful about it, it's a bunch of sports media people who don't know what they're talking about. It is what it is. And so you're going to get the same brands and the same historic programs in the top 15 in the top 10 in the top five every single year. Now, don't get me wrong. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, you can put in the top 10, just about assume they're somewhere in the top 10. If you're going to say Notre Dame, Justin, the reason I didn't say Notre Dame is I would have said top 15 for the Irish. So I'm with you there in the top 15. But you can you can plug and play those. UCF, hey, put UCF in the top 15 every year too at this point. They're, you know, they're starting to build a dynasty over there. But what are we doing, especially in the year you know, of 2020 and COVID, which the, the first AP poll with the Big Ten and now the Pac-12 who's back, by the way, if you didn't know that, Pac-12's back. They'll be back in November. So that's very interesting. The Mac will be back too. We'll get there. They eventually. weren't gonna. Pac-12 wasn't gonna make the playoff anyway, so it doesn't matter. They, they had already eliminated themselves, so that's not a concern for anybody to worry about. But the first AP poll dropped this afternoon with both the Big Ten teams who still aren't playing for over a month and Pac-12 teams who are don't they don't matter. Let's be quite frank. And just the whole ranking things doesn't make sense to me. So first of all, preseason rankings need to go. They don't make sense. I mean legitimately wait a month that's all i'm asking wait a month after teams have played four or five games even three games then we can rank some teams and then we can decide because what happens this is my ultimate argument justin this is what i always get stuck on you have to decide somebody's good or you can't make the rankings so if clemson is good because they return trevor lawrence and travis Etienne and a couple receivers on the outside then that makes who they play also good now you may not think that right off the bat when you think about the idea of a quality loss you see every year in the college football playoff rankings, a team or two benefit from losing a close game to a team that the committee has decided is a top four team. They legitimately might move up in the rankings. It might not happen right away after they lose, but in a couple of weeks, they're moving up to the rankings because the team they lost to looks good. It's all relative. It's all based on one team is good. So that's the problem is it falls apart and it's going to fall apart in the big 12 this year. It's going to fall apart in the sec. We've already seen that Georgia looked pathetic in the first half. They had to go to their true freshman quarterback. Who's been on campus for two and a half weeks. Like Georgia didn't look good. Texas A&M didn't look good. Auburn didn't look amazing either. I think it was more the defense kept them in the ball game. I mean, the offense wasn't anything amazing. They're not going to be for a few weeks. I think that Auburn Georgia game next week is probably going to be a little bit disappointing. It's going to be lack of good football. I think Florida is probably the only team that looked good offensively. Their defense didn't look good. Alabama, you know, did what they were supposed to do. But it's all relative. You have to decide one team is good in order to decide anybody else is good. And so especially in the year of COVID and the year of 2020, why are we ranking teams that aren't playing for a month? That's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and, like, I'll take a team, for example, like Pitt, who is and 3-0, they beat a ranked Louisville team yesterday. Sorry, Nick. They beat a ranked Louisville team yesterday. And they I think they dropped in the rankings, didn't they? Aren't were they higher than twenty fourth yesterday? They were twenty first before we added these teams and now they've dropped three spots. So they win yesterday. They beat a ranked team and they dropped to twenty fourth. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my entire lifetime. And they looked pretty decent beating Louisville too and, I thought and you look at their their defensive line is legit they are the yeah. second best defensive line in the conference and they're only the second best because Clemson it's just what it is and even this year they might be the number one defensive line in the ACC and I mean that with all seriousness but you look at again we've at we've added teams to the AP top 25 so now BYU's in front of them BYU's good defensively they don't play anybody Michigan and I would take Pittsburgh over Michigan 18 out of 19 times right here right now 
in the year of 2020, they would beat them that many times. Uh, they just would. It is what it is. Michigan's offensive line would get handled. Just like Louisville's did yesterday, Michigan's would get handled. And so, again, it's what are, what are we doing here? UCF's not even in the top 10. Texas is in the top 10. Miami's eight, which I think is kind of funny. But rankings rankings are stupid. Let's just, just I, say it. They're stupid. Yeah, I agree. And like I was talking about a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about the NBA MVP, it's a way for writers who are really irrelevant nowadays to have some relevancy still because they get talked about, and it's the only thing they have. They have the Heisman, and they have the AP rankings because everybody cares about them for like, what, eight to ten weeks, and then the college football um, playoff rankings come out and nobody cares about the AP anymore. So it's a way for writers to still feel like they have some relevancy. Um, and and I, I think the fact that Pitt is 24th, is 3-0, and dropped in the rankings shows that they're just plain stupid. I mean, and we had voters a couple weeks ago voting for te- like voting for Boise State. Boise State is not playing football until uh, recently that the Mountain West is back. I mean, we are back to full go now. Every every conference is now back into the action, which is really interesting. But I mean, what I, I just I don't get it. And here's what I say. Here's what you re, here's what you replace the the rankings with. You ask that question because you got to replace it with something. Just replace it with the Vegas lines. You can rank teams based on how they're favored by Vegas. And here's how you do it. Vegas can give you their models number on if Clemson played Georgia next week on a neutral field, they'd have a number. I would say Clemson's probably favored by nine or something like that, maybe a little bit less than that, probably after last week, maybe more than a touchdown and a half. But they have numbers for that in their model. If you want to do rankings that are that are more accurate and they're less about, like Justin just said, media writers who are no longer relevant, trying to show that they know something or whatever, just give us the Vegas lines. Let's stop messing around because at the end of the day, Vegas knows what they're talking about. That Louisville-Pittsburgh game that you referenced yesterday was ugly. There was all kinds of weird plays. There was a play where a Pittsburgh player looked like he was down and he scored a touchdown and he wasn't down. There was a fumble that wasn't overturned that should have been overturned, but because they called it a fumble on the field, it stood. All these different things. Guess what the Vegas line was on that game, Justin? I don't know off the top of my head. What was it? Pittsburgh by three, 23-20 final. Vegas knows what they're doing. Yeah. Vegas knows what they're doing. So let's let's let Vegas be Vegas. And let's stop trying to make media media people. Sport, that's the, I don't like when people say media people, but sports writers. Let's stop making them making it about them and letting them just dote on whatever team they think is going to be good every single year, aka Miami, Texas A and M. That's about it. Yeah, and I mean, obviously Vegas is right because if you watch Brooks picks, uh, we have tried to go against Vegas like five times the past couple of weeks and have missed horribly. So. Um, they're right. I like that thought. I had never thought about letting Vegas, letting Vegas decide who that is, but I think that's a pretty good thought. It's got to be better so, than the AP. So one more thought to kind of finish out that conversation, because I think it is worth it, it is worth discussing. It is worth debating. The Big Ten. Okay, so the Big Ten's back in the rankings this week. Whatever you want to say, they're back in the picture. They're back in the forefront of everybody's mind when it comes to college football. Let us think about in a month from now when the Big Ten takes the field. If the Big 12 continues to look like they do, which is not good trash, if the SEC beats up on each other early, which is, I think, what's going to happen, I think you'll probably have three or four good teams that already have an L by then. If you know, if that happens in the ACC as well, which I don't think there's there's way more parity after one and two in the ACC this year. But if that happens in the ACC, all that to say, if any of that happens, the, does the Big Ten stand to benefit from the fact that they're not playing, they are ranked teams, and in the back of your mind, that you haven't seen that team look bad? 
does the does the Big Ten benefit from not playing for a month? I, th- I think they do. I think they're going to be the ones that benefit from this whole thing because they're going to get more practice time. They're going to get a better opportunity to, to get their kids acclimated to the game of football than we've seen the past three weeks from teams um, because it's been ugly football. Which, I mean, it's just let's just put it where it is. It hasn't been that good to watch. It's been good to watch because it's college football, but it's been ugly. Um, but I definitely think the Big Ten because if you have a 3-0 and Buckeye team compared to like a – you know, six and one, five and two SEC or one of those teams, I think the three and O Buckeye team looks better. I think the three and O Penn State team looks better. I think all I think any of those Big Ten teams look better being undefeated, being three and O than you do at five and two or six and one. I mean I just think and being the way the football's looked the past couple of weeks, I definitely think the Big Ten is at and it's at an advantage in the whole thing. Most definitely. Yeah, let's let's not forget everything you just said is right on point. Let's not forget they've been practicing. They didn't stop practicing when the Big Ten stopped. And that was, for me, one of those things that was really questionable to me. I mean, th- there was a story about Coach Harbaugh knowing that the, that the Big Ten had canceled and while his team was at practice and he didn't say anything, they just kept practicing like normal. They were, they were still practicing. And again, if you give guys like Ryan Day and like quarterbacks like Justin Fields more time to prep, more time to watch film. Now they have a shortened amount of film they need to watch of the teams they're going to play. They they can expand the playbook a little bit more if they want to. They can be more conditioned. I I don't see a way that the Big Ten doesn't come out ahead unless, of course, Ohio State or Penn State just looks like garbage. And don't think that those Big Ten coaches aren't sitting at home every Saturday with – Every position coach watching a different team out of the SEC, out of the Big 12, out of the ACC, taking notes on every weakness, every strength, everything they can exploit when it comes to the college football playoff. Because that's an advantage, too. Those other, those other SEC, ACC, Big 12 schools, they're, when, the Big 12, when the Big 10 starts playing, they're going to be in the meat and potatoes of their schedule. They're not going to have time to sit and watch a Big 10 game, an Ohio State game. But Ohio State's going to have had that time to sit and watch them play those games. So I think that's even more – like, obviously they're going to get film, right, and like the three weeks that they have to prepare. But watching it and having those notes and already being a step ahead and not having to walk, go back and watch weeks one through five or whatever, that's going to be an advantage too. And don't think it won't be because those dudes are smart and they, they take advantage of everything given to them. Yeah, and I think just a, a final thought to wrap up this conversation – Ohio State was given the easiest schedule in the Big Ten. Uh, that was my prediction on our Big Ten preseason show. It is what happened. It's what the Big Ten had to do. It was their best chance at a playoff team, so they had to clear the path. And your only way that you're not saying that is, oh, they play at Penn State week two. Here's why they play at Penn State week two. Two things. One, short memory. So what happens with the committee a lot is if you lose a game early in your season, it now becomes a badge on your on your jersey. You've, you've become better. You overcame adversity. You now look better. You've been beat, so now you're not going to lose again. That happens all the time. Go back and look year after year after year. Teams that lose early and lose well, as they like to say, get that good quality loss. All of a sudden, at the end of the year, when you're comparing them to an undefeated Oklahoma team, and rightly so, they they seem better in comparison. And number two, if Ohio State has any COVID-19 problems with the Big Ten rules of having to be out 21 days, the likelihood of that happening is probably not till week three or week four, in my opinion, just with the different things moving around and how things are going to work. So you play Ohio State, Penn State week two, you get it out of the way, it's under your belt. So even if you get to the end of the season and it's a five and one Ohio State team or it's a five and one Penn State team, 
They already played the big game. We know their quality. They've already played against quality. I'm just I'm letting you know what the college football playoff committee is going to do before they even do it. We will see Ohio State in the playoff, and there's no doubt about it to me. I I I absolutely agree with everything you just said. I think that's a great point. To be honest with you, I think it's there's nothing else I need to say to expound on that. So I think that was a great point. But Nick, we're gonna get back into our uh, normals here. It's been, it's been a while. College football has thrown us off our game here a little bit. But what is your goat of the week, Nick? All right, so we're kicking it completely different here, Justin. So Wendy's has long since had their spicy nuggets. They're not bad. They're not particularly good. A four for four still has a warm place in my heart because of college and the ability to walk uptown and OU and Athens and easily get lunch or dinner figured out with, with no, no work, no effort, right? But McDonald's has recently come out with their spicy McNuggets. Yesterday, I had a lovely interaction with a man on the intercom when I asked him if I could get a four-piece spicy McNugget, and he said, no, but you can get a six-piece. And so I did. And you know what? The six-piece was pretty darn good. The, the hot sauce, I will say, the Mighty Hot Sauce is a little bit warm. But you know what? This, this is what I've been looking for in the, in the drive through category. I've been looking for quality, spicy nuggets. I've always thought that McDonald's has superior nuggets to Wendy's, not superior to other chicken places. Let's be very clear here. <laughs> but they, I'm getting really animated. just knocked my mic sideways. Sorry if that affected your ears there, folks. Um, but sp- <laughs> spicy McNuggets are the new goat for me, Justin. You can get... Get this. You can get 20 for just over $5. And currently, I believe you can get 40 for close to $10. So you know what I'll be doing for the future tailgating in the future games. Tailgating in 2020, meeting, eating in front of my TV in my apartment. But you know what I mean. Spicy McNuggets all the way for me. Really good. Get out there. Not an ad. Not a sponsor. But they should be. We should be sponsored by Spicy McNuggets. What about you, Justin? What's your go to the week? <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm mad at myself because I went to McDonald's yesterday too, and I was this close. For those of you just listening, it's like a little hair. I was that close to getting them, and I didn't. And I'm mad at myself now because I'm going to have to get them next time. They are fantastic. They sound sound really good. I'm going to have to do it. My go to the week, is anybody going to be surprised by this? Anybody? The man, the myth, the legend, LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. Going to the NBA Finals yet again. He has more NBA Finals appearances than 27 franchises in the NBA. Let that sink in. 27. He has more than 27 of them. 9 out of 10. Yes, he only has three. I hear you. I know. I know. I've heard it my whole life. 9 out of 10 years he's been to the NBA Finals. He's taken three different franchises to the NBA Finals. He is going to mark it down. He is going to win three NBA titles with three different franchises. I I don't know what else you want the man to do. We've crowned him from when he was 17 years old, right? Crowned him when he was 17. He's done everything on the basketball floor that has been asked of him, and probably more. If you go back and ask people at 17 if they think the man was going to get to nine or 10 NBA finals, I guarantee you nobody would have said that. So he's done more than that. You can say what you want about him. The man has kept up his image on and off the floor. He's done everything right, everything that has been asked of him and more, his I promise school, all these different kind of things. The man is the goat. He's the goat. I hear you, MJ people. I don't care. 
The man is the goat. Give him his crown. Let him wear it. He is going to get it done. He understands the job's not finished. He said it last night. I understand it was all look at me stuff with him sitting on the floor. That's who LeBron is. It's just it's what he he you call him arrogant. I mean, what do you what do you want out of him? That's he's earned everything that he does. He has earned that. And so the man's the goat. It's it's just it is what it is. Um we'll we'll let that lay there. Nick, what is your roast of the week for this week? You know what I think I'm gonna actually let you go first because I want to piggyback on what you have to say. So I'll let you have the floor. Okay, uh, I will keep on my soapbox here since you're gonna, you know, put it back under my feet. Uh, the Reds, Reds haters, I gotta, including myself, I will, I am not, and Nick, I will not be a hypocrite. I was a hypocrite, or not a hypocrite. I was a hypocrite. But I <laughs> was one of the biggest Reds haters at the end of August. I literally told people, I'm not watching. I will just get updates on my phone. I am not watching. Friday night at midnight. As the Reds are beating the Twins, I felt like a kid again. When Jay Bruce hit the walk, hit the walk off, you know, clinchmas. When I was a little kid watching in my bed, sat up straight in my bed. I remember it like it was yesterday. I had the same experience as a grown adult on Friday night. Them clinching a playoff spot, it was awesome. I was a fan again. I was thinking not like a podcaster like I have been for forever since we started this thing, which is a totally different mindset. I was a fan. I was excited. Um, and I have to rag on myself. I was wrong. I should have kept being a fan. Um, they are still not that great offensively, but they do enough to get it done. And with the pitching rotation and the bullpen stepping up like they have, that's all you got to do. And watch out. This team is dangerous heading into the playoffs. Nobody wants to see them. I don't care what anybody says. Um, they're dangerous with that three-headed monster starting rotation, and the way this team scores in bunches hitting home runs. So I have to roast on myself. I have to roast on Reds haters. They're going to the playoffs in 2020. Yeah, I'm going to go right in there with you. I was right there. I was the score update on my phone. That's how I'll, I'll follow their you know tragic 2020 season with the chance of a lifetime with the roster and the guys and contract years and go down the list. And you know what? I was proved wrong. They got really hot. They started hitting the ball in play in spaces where there aren't guys, which is something they were not good at and actually historically poor at in a way that had never been seen before in the major league in major league baseball and how they hit the baseball. But you know what? They've, they have improved that they have um, not had much as much of a drop off when they get to the pen, they've had guys who've kind of changed pitching roles and still gotten a lot. I mean, think about Lorenzen. I mean, that dude early in the year was laughable on the mound. I mean, we were texting back and forth, but well, Lorenzen's in the game. You can count that. You can turn the TV off. It's over. He's going to give up two or three here in the seventh two inning. Two-run home run. Walking two-run home run at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Guarantee. That's just what he was. But you know what? They improved. And you know what? I, my official roast, Justin, is whoever has to has to face that three-headed monster. And the beauty of the playoffs and the beauty – we talked about this all the way back before the season started. They are, they've only played 60 games. And so – a guy like Trevor Bauer who refuses to come out of the game anyways. And I know Sonny Gray is like, and Castillo is like that too. I mean, they're, they're competitors. They want to throw as much as possible. They just haven't thrown their normal amount of innings. And so even, even though there's only three of them, we're not going to run out anybody else out there to starting. Pit. I mean, if we play a seven game series and we get far enough to play seven games, we're not going to throw anybody out there other than those three. And so those are the three best back to back to back guys in the league. I mean, they just took a series from the White Sox, who are one of the best teams in the AL. They look pretty daggone good down the stretch, obviously, to get back in it and to, to clinch. 
I don't see why it doesn't continue. You know, I'm not going to use Joey Votto's words because they're a little bit sensitive for ears on the podcast, but I would be, I, I, I'm, they're dangerous, man. I'm watching out for the Reds. And you know what? We'll see you in the World Series. You heard it here first, folks. Um, they're dangerous. You'll see us in the World Series. But thank you for joining us this week on Back to the Bricks. We'll see you next time on the Bricks.